you would remain standing, take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. Kings chapter 6, we'll begin at verse 8 and read this morning through verse 23 here now. The Word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, As such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those were with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My my father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master." So he prepared for them a great feast, 
When they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the Lord of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday morning we looked at verses 1 through 7 of 2 Kings 6. And we saw last Sunday how God cares not only for the big things of life, but for the small things in life. Even when a man loses his accent in the Jordan River. And we saw three things last week. We saw God's increase in providence. We saw God's concern for that young son of the prophets. And then we, we saw God's power through Elisha as Elisha was able to raise that axe and give it back to that young man so that he did not then have to go and work off that debt. And so this morning we see Elisha, the man of God, defeating a whole army. Now as we come to this text, we, we need to, to confess, we don't know much about this narrative. We don't know if it stands in chronological order with what precedes it and what follows it. We don't know how Elisha knows all the plans and all the moves of the king of Syria. We don't even need know the names of, of the kings of Syria and Israel. We, we can guess that the king of Syria at this time was Ben-Hadad II and the king of Israel was Jehoram, but we just don't know for sure. And we only know of one character whose name is given, that is Elisha. Everyone else remains anonymous. We also don't know how the Syrian lieutenant knows what he knows about what Elisha knows. And we can safely say all of this probably took place around 845 B.C. But what we do learn from this passage is we learn things about God's protection. Yeah, we all made it safely here this morning and we thank God for that. And we don't know what God saw as we came and, and how he protected us, maybe from, from certain, uh, certain things that would happen. But we know we made it here safely because of God's protection. We'll make it home later this evening or this afternoon. Why? Because of God's protection over us. And so we see something about God's protection here this morning. We see three things. And the first is we see and learn about God's Strange protection. We hear of that in verses 8 through 13. Now, now, how is God's protection? How is it strange? Well, did you notice that the king of Syria, he, he would plan his strategy. He was warring against Israel. He would take counsel with his servants. He would say at such and such a place that I will build my camp. Now the king of Syria made his strategy, but then Israel was wise to it. The man of God, that is Elisha, would send word to the king of Israel, telling him, do not pass this way or, or that way. Why? Because the Syrians are going to be there. And several times, we, we read in verse 10, that 
Elisha saved the king of Israel and Israel from the enemy. Now the king hears of all this. The king of Syria hears of all this. When an enemy of yours is regularly eluding an ambush and your schemes, what do you think? Well, there must be a, a traitor or a mole in our midst. And this is what the king of Syria thought. There had to be someone in the inner circle of this king who was supplying military leaks to Israel. And so one day the king announces his frustration in verse 11. Will you not show me who, is, who of us is for the king of Israel? Which one of you is it? Which one of you here this day is a mole for the king of Israel? And, and so he learns it's none of them. It is Elisha. It is Elisha the prophet who is in Israel and, and he tells the king of Israel the words that the king of Syria speaks in his bedroom. Now I wonder how the king took that. Elisha knew everything there was to know and he, he communicated that to the king of Israel. And so we hear of that, and, and what we see here is a continuing pattern in how God works. God still frustrates the, the plans of the enemies of His people. Now there are times where we think the, the enemies of God's people, they, they are winning out. Maybe we think that today in our nation. Many of the plans of the enemies of the church, of God's people, that they, they are being successful. It seems like they are, are winning out. But we need to be reminded that God still is sovereign and in charge. And He will frustrate the plans of the enemies of His people. In, in the 1970s, many... Christians in China were worshiping as they still worship today in house churches. Their, their meetings were constantly being, being changed in order to avoid the government or in order to avoid being arrested. Why? Because they would be sent to labor camps. They would be sent away. At one particular meeting, those present had a, a very strong sense of, of Christ's love and the Spirit's presence. At the end of that meeting, five visitors stood up and they announced that they had been sent to make arrests. That they were there to arrest those who had worshipped that day. But God intervened. Instead of making arrests, they, they wanted to believe. They wanted to know how to believe in, in Jesus and, and the protector of the church disarmed the enemy. And that's what we see here. Now, we, we also need to understand that God does not always intervene in this way. There are Christians today who will die because of their faith. There are Christians today who will lose employment because of their faith. There are Christians today who will be in prison because of their 
faith. Often Christ's people are hated by all, are ruined and crushed by the enemies of Christ. But the biblical narrative, church history, Christian biography are are literally littered with instances of God's strange and often, often amusing protection of His people. Here is one of those times. And what we need to understand is that no one can touch or harm the people of God and the church unless God allows it. So that's the first thing. We see God's strange protection. Second of all, we see God's unseen protection. In verses 14 through 17, after hearing that Elisha was the man behind all the problems the king of Syria was having, he then asked where Elisha was. And they told him he is in Dothan. And so he sends an army, he sends horses and chariots and a great army that night, and they surrounded the city. Now, Elisha's servant goes out the next morning. We do not think it is Gehazi, unless if this is in chronological order, because Gehazi has leprosy. It could be, but we don't know the name of the servant. But the servant goes out, and what does he see? He sees a great army surrounding the city. Horses and, and chariots. And he comes back in, and he says to Elisha's master, Alas! My master, what shall we do? Elisha tells him, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Again, time and again, God tells us that, doesn't he? Do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prays. This is the first prayer that Elisha makes in our text. And he prays, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And so God answered that prayer. He opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And what did he see? He saw a mountain that was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, there was an army out there, chariots, horses, a great army. But God revealed to this young man that there was a greater army standing with the prophet. The chariots of fire. Fire, often in Scripture, what does it signify? It signifies the presence of God. And that's what Elisha was showing this young man. That he need not worry about that army that was out there because a greater army was protecting the man of God. That is God's unseen protection. Now we think of our Lord Jesus Christ. In in Gethsemane, Jesus had to rebuke Peter. As Jesus was going to the cross in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 53, Jesus rebuked Peter and he said, Or do you you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus was reminding 
Peter of something, that there were 72,000 mighty angels just waiting, chomping at the bit to intervene in the defense of the Son of God. But it couldn't be that way, could it? And so the legions were idle. They were there, but they were not activated. And we need to be reminded of that, that, that we know that, that the protection of God is present even if God doesn't put that protection in motion. Even if it is not activated. You see, the legions were idle because the cross was the will of God. The cross had to happen. Without the cross, there is no salvation of God's people. Without the, the cross and Jesus dying on the cross, there is no forgiveness of our sin. You see, the cross was a necessity, but yet there was God's protection. And so in Gethsemane, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do not think for one moment that I lack resource. Do not think for one moment that I cannot call down these legions of angels and fight on my behalf. This means that Jesus knew about God's unseen protection that we see here. This young servant of Elisha, he had to understand and know of God's unseen protection and that he had nothing worry about. But then there's a third thing we see in learning is we learn about God's unexpected protection. And we hear of that in the remainder of our text, verses 18 through 23. We have an account of humor and grace. And and again, Elisha has already prayed one time, but now in verse 18 he prays a second time. Lord, strike this people with blindness. Strike them with blindness. God again heard the prayers of Elisha. He answered. He struck the, the, the great army with, with blindness in accordance uh, to the prayer of Elisha. And this is the humorous part. Elisha then says uh, to the great army, Oh, by the way, I can take you to the man you're looking for, but this isn't a way. Follow me. Come with me. And where does Elisha take them? He takes them to Samaria. He takes them to his home turf. He takes them to the place where the army of God's people was. And so as Elisha prayed that these men would be struck with blindness, and they were, he leads them then on a ten-mile walk to Samaria. Now these men couldn't see a thing. They were being led around by the prophet, the man of God, and, and they finally come to the place they come to the end of their journey. And then Elisha prays a third time. In verse 20. O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Now our text doesn't tell us this outright, but it seems with the response of the king of Israel that he himself had an army surrounding this army, and he was ready to strike them down. 
And so think of that for a moment. You're part of the Syrian army. You've went to capture one man named Elisha. As you approach this one man, you're struck with blindness. And then you follow this man as he, as he says, I'm going to take you to find the man you seek. And you have your eyes open and you're surrounded by another army. You know that things just went from bad to worse. And we see the king of Israel needing a little restraint. After all, Syria has been warring with the king of Israel. They've been sending these raids out. And, and so they were, they were at war. And he wants to take care of the enemy. But Elisha says, no. In verse 21, the king of Israel Ask Elijah, my father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? Elisha answered, you shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? In other words, these men were brought into the presence of the king of Israel. And they are like captives. And Elisha says, instead of striking them down, feed them. Instead of a bloodbath, make a banquet. And not only that, we're going to eat with them. And they, they feasted with the enemy. He prepared a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Now we see that this account is an account of grace and hope. Here are Syrians. They have fallen into the hands of God's prophets and into the hands of God. And He's gracious and merciful to them. They were spared by the enemy. That was unheard of. Any other king would, would have put them to death. He would have made quick work. But no, the Lord, by way of Elisha, said, no, you, you prepare them a feast. You sit down, you eat with them. If the Syrians really had eyes to see, they would understand that they too came under the protection of God. That God's protection was offered even to the lights of the Syrians. And so God not only protected Elisha, and Israel by disabling the Syrians, but he protected the Syrians themselves. He protected the Syrians from the king of Israel. And so, and so what application can we make? And the first is this, no matter what may come to the church of Jesus Christ, two truths will always be and will continue to come to pass. The first is this, the church will continue. Now again, we doubt that sometimes. What do we see in our nation? We see the church dying. And much of the reason the church is dying is because of the church itself. We wonder if God will ever grow the church here again. But know this, Jesus will always have a church upon this earth that will worship Him in spirit and truth until He comes again in glory. While the church in the West is dying, what do we see in other parts of the world where the church is persecuted? We see it growing. 
that may give us a little insight into what must happen here for the church to grow. Maybe some of us need to be arrested and thrown in prison. Maybe we need to have our lives threatened and maybe then we will see Christ come and, 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 and protect the church, which He always will and, and does. And, and the church may just be a, a remnant of her former self, but she will remain. Now often we just think of the church as we see it now, the visible church. That's what we see with our own eyes. We, we see those who are part of of the visible church, to understand the invisible church, that army that is spoken of in our text this morning, that the servant of Elisha got to see, that invisible church of the Lord of hosts worshiping with us here this morning. We don't see them, do we? But they're here. We don't see Jesus, but He's here. The second truth is this. Nothing or no one can touch or harm God's people unless God allows it. Now some scratch their head and say, why does God allow it? Why does He allow anything? Ultimately, for His own glory. Why do you exist? For the glory of God. Why did God save you? For the glory of God. Why does God preserve you for the glory of God? It's not for your own glory. It is for the glory of God and Christ. And there are times where God's people have to praise Him for what He has not allowed the kingdoms of this world to inflict on His people. But then there are also times where God does allow His people to be touched or harmed. And then what? We praise Him. We praise God for giving us the privilege of suffering for the sake of Christ. A second, we need to understand that God's unseen protection is always with us even when we don't see it. Now God has never given us the privilege of seeing those chariots and, and, and what that young man saw, the, the mountain full of Horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha, the Lord of hosts, or the, 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 the host of the Lord surrounding Elisha and protecting him and that young man. And we will not see that in this life, but we will see it when Christ comes. Think for a moment when Christ comes in his glory, we will see the, the army of heaven with him. We will see much like uh, this young man and Elisha already knew was there. The horses and chariots of fire all around us as Christ comes for His people. We will see that great army that surrounds us this morning. You know, as we are here this morning, we're doing more than just worshiping God. There, there is spiritual warfare going on. Uh, there, there is spiritual warfare that, that is happening here this morning. Again, we don't see it. We don't many times recognize it. But, but we have God's protection. We're always in spiritual warfare. There are always demons going about doing the work of, of Satan. But then at the same time, there's always the, the host of heaven. The, the host of, of God that gives us that protection. 
you know, we don't need to see the horses and the chariots of fire because we know they're there. And then the third thing we, we see is this, that grace is given to Syrians who were Syrians, they were Gentiles. See how time and time again in the Old Testament, God is preparing us for what we're going to see in the New, especially in the book of Acts. When after Israel has pretty much rejected the early church, we find the apostles going where? To the Gentiles. Remember Peter? He had a vision, right? He had a vision about a man. A Gentile, Cornelius. And God told Peter in that vision, rise, get up and kill. And he was told to, to kill and eat what? Unclean things. Why? Because God was showing Peter, Peter, this is about to change. My people are about to change. They are going to be unwashed Gentiles brought into my church and into my kingdom. And we get glimpses of that in the Old Testament. And we see that even unwashed Gentiles can have God as their, their son and their shield. And aren't you glad of that? Because what are, what are we, unwashed Gentiles? And God's plan was never just for Israel, the nation Israel, to be His people. His plan was always to have His people from throughout this world that He has created, from every every nation and language and tongue and tribe. And that is being fulfilled today, even when we doubt that it's being fulfilled, it is being fulfilled whenever the Word of Christ is preached. And so the text is joyful news for all of us. And it's joyful news that we can bring to all. It's not just for church folks. Uh, the, the text tells us that the shelter of the Lord is open to you, to all who will come. You see, ultimately, Elisha's protection was Christ. It was the Lord who was protecting his servant. It was the Lord that was revealing to the king of Israel. Yes, there is even grace for Syrians. There's even grace for Gentiles. And so that shelter that is found in the Lord Jesus, it is open to all men. The gospel is given to all men. We do not discriminate, do we, with the gospel? We do not say that this people group or that people group does not deserve it because of, of what they look like or the skin color. No, the, the gospel is open to all. The shelter of the Lord is open to all men. And as we hear that good news and as we hear that message, what are we to do? We must come to Christ in faith and repentance. You see, if you're here this morning and you're hearing that it is Jesus who is your, your protector, your Lord, your shelter, you, you now are responsible for what you will do with that. If by the grace of God you see your sin this morning and you come to Christ in faith and you put your trust in Him and you turn from your sin, but if not, then you are responsible for hearing the truth and not coming to believe. And so what are you to do this morning? You're, you're to come. 
Find that shelter. Find that peace. Find that protection that is found in Jesus. And then may our eyes be open to that mountain where there are full of horses and chariots of fire all around the people of God. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank You that we are under the care of You, Almighty God. That nothing can come or harm us outside of Your sovereignty. Lord, we do ask and pray that You would protect Your church, but we know as well, Lord, that oftentimes the glory that we will receive at the last day comes through the cross. It always comes through the cross. God, we ask that You would strengthen Your church but also strengthen each one who's here today. Lord, if there are any here that does not know of that care that you give to us through Jesus, I pray even now, they would know of that. They would turn from their sin and come to Christ in faith. And Lord, we thank you for that protection you give to us. Even when it is unseen with our physical eyes. And how you will bring us safely home to glory. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.